Have you ever watched the news and seen a shooting, a police chase, a medical emergency, or a five alarm fire, and then thought to yourself, what were the first responders thinking? What were they going through? Maybe you've driven by a devastating car accident and you could see on the faces of everyone involved the fear, the worry, and even the horror of the situation. How do first responders keep their composure? And how does it affect them? Do they take the grief and drama home? Is their family involved? I'm Dr. Troy Rogers, and I'm a psychologist who works exclusively with public safety personnel and their families. And for the last 20 years, I've been fortunate enough to work with these first responders and hear their stories, unedited, uncensored, and raw. In this exciting new podcast, you'll get a glimpse into their worlds, their experiences, their lives. They will tell firsthand the stories of survival, sadness, adversity, strength, and despair. Listen in as every episode dives deep into the mind, the soul, and the experience of our heroes. The amazing stories of these men and women will give us a glimpse of the true toll of the weight of the badge. Welcome, everybody, um, to the first of many intense podcasts where we break down the walls in order to hear real stories from real heroes. This is our chance to dive into the experiences firsthand of the protectors in our communities. I am Dr. Troy Rogers, and I have the opportunity to be your moderator for this journey and these raw conversations. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. Our show today, we have a great opportunity to welcome Robin Hopkins. Robin is currently a retired sheriff's deputy, and she's writing a book and doing a number of nonprofit volunteer ventures. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Robin, before we get started. Yeah, so I am gratefully, happily retired. That wasn't always the case when it first happened, but um, happily retired now. Yeah, working on a memoir sounds so fancy, but um, whether it ever gets published or out there, who knows. But um, it has been cathartic, I'm told, and it's true. Um, so I, I do a lot of yeah volunteering, uh, nonprofit stuff. Um, I work part-time at Caliber's shooting range. Um, I'm in the Air National Guard still, which I'm very grateful and lucky to still be doing that. Um, with my injury and with uh, some of the mental stuff that went along with it. So yeah, so I'm in Air National Guard, mom, and that's a little bit of the start. The start? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, you said, you said a second ago, kind of you're, you're happily retired now. Yes. Tell me, <laughs> tell me the difference now versus kind of when it all took place. Give us a little background. Yeah, so um, the beginning of the end, <laughs> I was injured, um, critically injured in line of duty, uh, October 26th of 2013. And fortunately, I didn't know then that it was a career ender because all I had was the hope and determination and knowing that I'd be back to patrol, back to work because I'm stubborn and that's our superpower <laughs> and I'm optimistic. Um, but yeah, the injury changed everything. Um, it's funny because my 10 year old, yesterday we were on a walk and I said, yeah, I'm doing this thing tomorrow. And I told him 
podcast, whatever. And I said, it's about, um, you know, my injury and what happened. And he was 18 months old at the time, so knew nothing. Um, and now that he's 10, he's starting to know a little bit, you know, age appropriate, whatever, but they're so smart. He goes, so you're going to talk about uh, the worst and the best day or the best and the worst day of your life is what he said. And I was like, I go, bud, that's, yeah, that's well said. Absolutely. It was the best because I survived and the worst. I, I, I don't um, think of it as the worst or a, a traumatic event, um, but it, it technically was. I was shot um, with an AK-47. We were trying to stop a suspect who had stolen a police car. So the details were highly dramatic, you know. Um, and my uh, the injury was to my femur, uh, inch and a half of bone, blown away, uh, femoral artery vein gone. Um, it's it's a huge story, but um, fire. I was outside of a fire station when the incident happened, so they rushed out to my aid, put a tourniquet on my leg, got me to you know the best trauma hospital, and so here I am. But um, yeah. Well, let me. I'll ramble if you let me. No, so no, I'll ask you some questions because <laughs> yeah. I, I I know the full story. Yeah. Um, our listeners probably are wondering. Correct. What what's some of the backstory of kind of what took place? Yeah. And then then I'll ask you some questions about kind of how it was in the moment, how it was the days after. But what was the full story about what took place? Yeah. So full story. Um, and a lot of cops who are listening, um, or anybody who's been in like maybe a severe car accident. That morning, that day was so normal. That's what is so eerie sometimes on, oh, for instance, I'm driving here in the balloons. If you don't know Albuquerque, New Mexico, where our balloons are a big deal. And in October, the weather couldn't have been perfect. That morning couldn't have been more normal. And um, the balloon fiesta is our you know, thing. And so this morning I'm seeing the balloons go up. and. It gives me the chills because it was such a normal, peaceful day. I was in the North Valley, uh, day shift, and doing my yoga, uh, 4.30 in the morning, you know. Couldn't have been in better shape. Um, and a few hours later, we get this call uh, that the Albuquerque Police Department had uh, active shooter. He had stolen a police car, high-powered weapon, you know, so all these, these key uh, words are hitting us and it's we knew it was something big it wasn't you know one of those situations where now this is exaggerated or it's not going to be out turn out to be anything it was something and so myself and everybody uh got in the pursuit and um the suspect had started in south broadway south, southern part of uh or the city came into the county where we were and I had an opportunity. I wasn't in the pursuit, I was trying to catch up to the pursuit. And as pursuits do, they're unpredictable and it started to come towards me. So I had an opportunity to go towards it and I thought I would cut him off because we had a mobile active shooter. So what do you do? There's not a whole lot you could do. So I thought, well, maybe I'll ram him or last second what I decided was to turn my vehicle so he would hit my passenger side. So we were head on and I went to turn in front of him and he held the AK out the window and just boom, 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 started to shoot my car. So three rounds hit the car and the fourth one, we were this close to each other, you and I. And the fourth one went through my door and yeah, 
I thought he had lobbed a grenade in my car. It was that like boom. And uh, yeah, so I, I didn't remain conscious too long, but I was in and out of it. And, you know, I went to the light and had that whole experience. And. Wow. And what, what's, what's crazy, and a yeah. lot of the, the listeners probably don't know the backstory. The, yeah, I don't the even event, know if I describe it well, well because it was, there's so much So much going on. Part. Well, yeah. I'll throw out there that yeah. by the time you encountered this individual, he, he had shot multiple others. Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he had kind of ambushed folks and had been 100%. on a high-speed chase. Yeah. And so you, you were in a position where, you know, we're, you're trying to stop somebody who is violent in the moment, and then it, it turns kind of that life or death. Yeah, yeah, that's another good point, um, especially to, to cops is uh, Sharon Saavedra. There's so so many people um, I could name that were in the fight. I mean, bullets whizzing by their head. I received a lot of attention because of the severity of my injury. So um, I always like to tell people that, that I was just one of many people and I was really small in the um, big scheme of things. Um, so yeah, uh, Three other officers were shot, fortunately, not critically. Um, and then, uh, hero of the day. I hate that word, but I'm going to use it for Dan, but not for me. So Dan uh, saw me get shot. He was in the pursuit and went after this guy, and, and he stopped it all. He um, put his rifle in, in the dash of his patrol car, which we're not taught to do, but you, by any means necessary, it's one of those moments. He started bumping his car and, and the suspect wouldn't stop, so he, he shot through his window into the uh, stolen police car and put it into it. So Dan, uh, fortunately, saw retirement as well. He's, he's alive and well, and uh, yeah, that's how it ended that day. Yeah. Let, me, let me kind of backtrack yeah. for a second. You yeah. said the grenade kind of felt like it exploded. Yeah. Um, you said you lost consciousness. When did you wake up? Um, so I, well, I say I lost consciousness. I felt that I wasn't going to stay conscious. And um, so I focused on my breathing, which, again, it goes back to training, 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 training. I, I've said that if I was just a regular person just shot, you know, at the store or whatever, I wouldn't be here. But training tells us you're never going to die. You're never going to quit. And I knew if I was breathing, I was alive. So when I went to the bright light, (laughs) I could still hear, I could hear everything. So I never was gone to, I mean, I was clinically gone, you know, no pulse and stuff like that, but um, I could hear. And then um, I opened my eyes and I was in uh, an ambulance. It was a, a fire rig, it wasn't an ambulance, but they threw me in the rig and, and I was in and out of, I guess, like, like, I guess it's consciousness, but um, I was aware that I was lying there, and I was like, it was just surreal. I was like, I'm shot. This is, I usually see people get on the gurney, and I'm like, you know, doors shut and 10 8. But uh, yeah, to, to know it was me. Well, no, then, um, then when we uh, got to the hospital, uh, I did pass out. Um, and then for the next few days, I was in and out of, of surgery and ICU. and. Fortunately, that was, um, I don't remember a whole lot of that. How many total surgery? <sighs> mm, I need to count because I've been asked, but <laughs> a dozen at least. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. 
I'm not. Um, I need. I need to count no, it for the book, but I don't know. How long uh, were you in the hospital? Two months. One in the regular hospital, and then one at a rehab hospital. So. In thinking back to those those two months, mm -hmm. what do you remember? What was what was good? What was bad? What was horrendous? That's a great question because people assume you know getting shot it, that wasn't the hard part. Um, the pain of being um, the physical, literal pain of of being a patient in the hospital, and then the rehab pain. Um, so the pain couldn't be managed um, at the University of uh, New Mexico Hospital, UNMH. Um, they gave me all that they could. I guess my blood pressure would drop so they couldn't give me any more. And I had asked for a, uh, what do they call the coma? Put me, induced coma, yeah. I'm like, you hear about those things and it, that I want, I need one of those. But that wasn't <laughs> an option. That wasn't something they could do. So I, I couldn't believe how much extraordinary pain I was in. Um, and then, uh, you know, a bullet wound, they can't stitch it up and cover it, so it's cleaned every single day. Mm -hmm. um, it's like a puncture wound, so the bacteria, I guess they just have to clean it out. So that was, could have been twice a day, I don't remember. But um, yeah, I just remember being in pain. Um, and then the rehab hospital wasn't nearly as bad, but constant pain. And even to this day, because I, the, I wear a compression stocking and the, and the vascular damage is the, this the most annoying. Um, my last surgery was actually last year, I had a partial toe removed because the vascular um, issues, I just wasn't getting enough. Uh, Circulation, Thank blood you. flow. I'm not a good interview because I'm bad no, with words okay. and descriptions, but yeah. Uh, so, uh, and but that that was a blessing. Um, so ten years later, you're still having yeah. new mm -hmm. kind of physical effects. Hundred percent. Wow. Yeah, all the time. If and if I don't have my compression stocking on, it just my leg swells and it's it's brutal. So that I wear all the time, uh, unless I'm bathing. How long did it take to kind of be able to walk and get back to? Because you said you did yoga, you were yeah. active training. How long before you could get back to that lifestyle? I would say a year and a half, maybe. Um, because at around 10 months, I had a limb lengthening surgery, which um, was phenomenal. Because my leg was an inch and a half short, and I would have to wear uh, a shoe lift. And so, actually, my husband found a specialist in Scottsdale, Arizona, rock star surgeon, who would put an external fixator on a limb, break the bone, and then that was um, another two months in, in a hotel room. He would manage our toddler, and once a day, I'd click the external fixator, and it would just slowly pull the bone apart. Yeah, and then, but your body, you know, just grows more bone. And so click, click each day. I think it was six clicks, I can't remember. But yeah, I just clicked this external fixator, and it would just pull my wow, leg. Wow, that's and, amazing. Yeah, but now I don't, you know, they're even, and I never wear the same sock. Cause <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> now it's cool. People wear, don't wear the same socks, but I can't. Yeah. Anyway, um, but to to walk um, without assistance, you know, that, that 
that took a couple years. I would, and I still, if I'm doing anything of distance, I'll use walking sticks, um, mm -hmm. trekking poles, you know, so I can go further without hurting. Is that part of kind of what you were talking about with the retirement, you know, and not really being ready and uh, the, the emotional, you know, challenges and, and struggles as a result of that? Was that part of that process too? Yeah, um, definitely. I, I wasn't accepting, I guess. Um, I was familiar with Buddhism and, and all the acceptance and impermanence and nothing stays the same and blah, blah, blah. But when you live uh, the fact that nothing's going to be the same and, and you're, I can't run, and there's so many things I can't do, I, I was not accepting my situation. And I underestimated the severity of the damage. And, you know, I just played it off. It's no big deal. Um, and I just wasn't accepting that things weren't the same. And, and because retirement wasn't my choice, and I always looked at it as like, he, the bad guy's not going to do this to me, you know, and so it was a lot of, of that. Um, but again, had I known at the time uh, my career was over, it would have destroyed me, I think, um, more than it already did. It did. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you think is, as you kind of look back now, kind of on the other side of the hill a little bit, yeah. you know, what, what got you through it or what helped you to recover and say, I'm going to do, you know, good things. I'm going to get back up. Right. I mean, that, yeah, that was always my desire was to make good on a bad day. And, and hopefully people will learn whether it's tactics or emotional resilience or whatever that, that always motivated me. Um, and a lot of good things did come from this incident, whether it was tactics or, you know, resilience. I've, I've talked, um, to people, groups about it. And, um, I remember being inspired by people's stories. So I hoped, well, I'll talk about it. Maybe it'll help somebody. Um, but to be honest, I wasn't good for years. Um, and actually it, uh, it started in your psychology group. Um, I was two, it was two, almost two years to the day. I don't know why I remember that because I have a bad memory, but that's when PTSD, you know, you hear about that, but it was two years later when I started to know I had an issue and yeah, I'll never forget it. I was in my car and the rage would come and go. And I just thought, well, it's chronic pain. Who wouldn't be, you know, a little annoyed? Cause I don't, I don't rage. <laughs> I rarely even curse. It just doesn't come out right. Um, and I was raging and it wasn't going away. And I said, I should probably talk or whatever, or whatever, just get rid of this thing. <laughs> like I had caught something, you know, let's just get rid of it. And I thought I was, I guess, naive that, if you're emotionally strong or physically strong or aware you weren't going to get PTSD. I mean, cause I'd read so much about it. So I knew mm -hmm. like, even in the, in the incident, I knew why things were in slow motion. I knew I was like, wow, it was happening. It was like, I was observing myself, everything that I had read about in a critical incident was happening. So it was like, Holy shit. And you know, my thoughts were going, you know, a million miles a second. And so I knew when I was in it, what was happening. And so, um, and I had also heard that if you think you're going to die, that really messes with you. So mm -hmm. that's why I was like, I'm never going to believe I'm going to die. I'm never going <laughs> to think I'm going to die. 
And so, yeah, so I was like, oh man, how did, I, how did this happen? How did I get PTSD? Because I was so spun up on, you know, or schooled on what, you know, whatever. So um, she explained to me how the brain works and that you would not be normal if you weren't feeling this. And I was like, okay, that's cool. That's cool for other people. So let's, let's get rid of this now, you know? And it didn't go away and it doesn't go away. Um, but now I, I manage it, I work with it and I don't numb it. That, uh, that was something else that came along maybe three years after, I can't remember, the drinking. Yeah. Um, Did that actually- Don't do it. If you're doing it, don't do it, stop it. This is an odd question, but did did the numbing to some extent probably help? Oh, 100%. 100%? Yeah, because, um, and it's interesting because alcohol was never a part of my life, um, except for, you know, in high school and that kind of stupidity, but as a career cop, it was just not in my life. It wasn't in my house. I mean, occasionally, you know, maybe went out with friends or whatever, but it wasn't like get home at the end of the day kind of thing. It just wasn't. And so um, I can't remember how long it was, but it was, you know, I was able to drive myself to the store and, you know, buy it because my husband doesn't drink. It's not a part of our household. So I remember being just so frustrated with, um, it was like the perfect storm. I had retired. Had to finally accept you got to retire. Uh, pain wasn't going away. Um, I had another uh, hip surgery was coming up. Um, so much was happening. Yeah, I forgot about that. Was another later surgery that I had. Yeah, I remember taking. Um, I think it was a shot of vodka, and I just felt. this is so nice just to get an escape for a little bit and it wasn't a problem for a while I was I would just measure it and maybe a couple shots it got to the point where it was a couple shots and I was like okay it's been an hour it's been two hours okay I don't have a problem it was medicinal Mm -hmm. until it wasn't so um yeah but I think I shared with you before we went live I haven't drank in over a year and um, I'm super proud of myself. So I, I talk to myself as I would a friend. I, I do that a lot now, and I'm like, good for you. Yeah. So, um, but it was I think five years off, off and on. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd go a period of time. And I'm like, I don't have a problem. I just stopped for a week or, or whatever. But yeah, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. In in my experience, talking yeah. with folks, kind of after the fact, mm-hmm. um, with any sort of critical incident. Um, you know, one of the things that always sticks out for me is that it it's not really a smooth transition. No. <laughs> Whether it be retirement or dealing with workman's comp issues oh, or right. medical retirement issues or any, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Did, did you go through some of those struggles, those fights when it happened? Yeah. Um, again, yeah, it's like a perfect storm. Um, yeah, workman's compensation, I, I didn't understand any of that. So the first time I heard denied, or I was like, what? You know? Um, so that struggle, I ended up having to get a lawyer, and we went to court, and that went on for, I want to say, over three years. Wow. It was brutal. Um, but what I would share from that workman's compensation nightmare is 
to be fair, they're an insurance company, you know, lawyers, whatever. Um, I, you have to understand the game in mm -hmm. order to play it. So I got a great lawyer um, who helped me understand it, and that was his job. Um, we didn't win. I just, we got what I was supposed to get, entitled to get what this chart says I get with, you know, my injury and all that stuff. So it's very technical. And when you're hurting, it's emotional. I don't care how much I would just go, you know, put my military face on. It was all emotional for me. And so, um, yeah, if it would get denied, it would, it would be because my doctor's note didn't say this, that, or the other. And now I go to the doctor and I say, Dr. Chafee, who I still see, um, I used to see him once a year for my injury. Now I see him every other year. And I was like, don't forget, it has to say reasonable, necessary, <laughs> you know, I, and, and so, but I didn't know that back then, you know, and so now I don't get the denied because, you know, I know how to do it. And they're not going to tell you, oh, sorry, Miss Hopkins, your note didn't say that they just say denied. And I'm like, you know, all I want is to get back to work. Why are you doing this to me? And it's, it's, it's just, again, it's. It was emotional for me, you know, it wasn't, but for them, they're like, it's just, you're a piece it of paper. It wasn't a chart no, or yeah. something that oh. predicted it. Yeah. Um, As you're going through all of this, how about your family? <laughs> you said, you know, 10 years later, your son had this reaction. Yeah. What was their reaction during the process? Um, fortunately, um, good or bad, my husband's an engineer um, by trade. So he, he's very analytical and um, great person to have as your, um, your backup or your wingman um, because he was like, okay, well, you're not dead. Now let's deal with this that, and the other. And I was like, oh, but I almost died. You know, how did you feel? And he was like, but you didn't, you know? And so it's great to have that to an extent um, because he understood everything. Um, that he would just read about my condition and so we'd go to appointments and he, he would ask the right questions and help me navigate what was next and help me with appointments and all this stuff. Um, so as far as my family in terms of my husband, he handled it great because of, of his the way he operates. He's like, um, but I think it was hardest in the beginning um, my son, my oldest was 21 at the time. He lived in Santa Fe and he almost lost his mom, you know. Um, my youngest was 18 months, life was good, had no idea, so he, he wasn't a concern. Um, when my parents got the call, you know, they fell apart. They didn't know if I was going to make it or not. Um, so it, it affected my family in that way, but, um, I guess I was fortunate that everybody had a good head on their shoulders and I didn't die and I'm here and but um yeah it but I, I will say this about the family my not dealing with what is um well, ruined us um I had left um my drinking was it was the I'm not going to blame the drinking my decision to numb out um I couldn't think straight so that uh, caused huge stress on the marriage. Um, 
Yeah, if it wasn't for him and his ability to probably know she's not in her right mind, we're not divorcing, we're not, we're going to be fine. Um, he was more of an anchor than I was because I was, I was, you know, not, not good. Um, yeah, and as, as I look back in clarity, um, and I won't go down a rabbit hole, but what I know now is I was dealing with childhood stuff. And when that was brought to my attention, I was like, what? <laughs> no. You know, I was like, that was so long ago. Um, but that that also uh, was difficult for me because it, vulnerability, that word came up. And I had never even thought about that word. I was like, I'm not vulnerable. I'm, you know. But childhood stuff came up that I didn't want to deal with. And I am now. And that's part of the reason that I'm healthy and not drinking is because I was like, oh, that's why I would, you know, I think my feelings were even worse than they should have been because it wasn't the injury, it wasn't the retirement, it wasn't, it was other it, feelings of abandonment or pain or, you know, like, I'll just say it, I expected to be hurt by a bad guy, you know, I expected to be injured, but um, my grandfather violated boundaries I didn't expect that you know um, my mom bless her heart she she had her own issues from that man so she had left a lot when we were growing up but I adore her um, so I never never pointed a finger at her until I got into therapy and I was like hey <laughs> that was fucked up <laughs> and so uh, yeah that's I don't know if that answers your question. No, no. So, if I didn't deal with the past, I'd still be a mess right now. So it's yeah. almost like that physical injury on the job just opened up Perfect. kind of Pandora's box of Perfect way to put everything it. else. Absolutely. Um, yeah, definitely. I was like a turtle out of my shell, literally, without my ballistic vest. I just felt vulnerable and just opened it. Opened it. And I'll say this. Uh, to cops or any caretakers, um, I've heard this once and I didn't make this up, but a lot of people in this serving industry have been hurt themselves, so they want help. Like, hurt people either want to help people or, or hurt people. So, like the guy that shot me, I'm sure he was hurt and he just wanted to hurt other people. Whereas um, I was hurt when I was younger and all I wanted to do was help people. Always just a complete helper. I think a lot of cops gravitate towards service because of maybe they were bullied it doesn't have to be sexual abuse but it could be i never felt strong and i want to mm. take care of people you know so so it makes sense that um a lot of cops when they lose the career that maybe this was my case stuff from the past came up because i wasn't i wasn't a caretaker anymore you know and that mm. sucks so let me Kind of wrap that up a little bit yeah, because please. I know I'm it, no, no, it's because it opens up my questions okay. and, and I always like to kind of finish up going a certain direction. Um, and with this particular podcast, we we want kind of lessons learned. And yeah, so yeah. You've got scars from this. Yeah. What kind of lessons, one or two that you took from this, helped those injuries to heal, mental, physical, all of the above. Definitely when something is bothering you, just deal with it and don't don't stuff it down. Um, 
that was number one. Um, right now, I'm so focused. It's a chapter in my book about childhood, so that's uh-huh. really on my mind right now. But just in general, it, even if it's just a conversation with, with your spouse, don't just shove it down. Just go, let's talk about this now or later, but we're going to talk about it and not just let it go. That, to me, was a lesson learned where I would just not, I would just not deal with things. If it didn't go my way, I would just look on the bright side and move on. Um, the other lesson is how precious each moment is. I mean, I always knew that, but having, you know, died a couple times, um, man, there's just nothing more than than this moment, you know? Um, so I appreciate life in a way that I couldn't have before. Um, yeah, and this, I don't know if this answers it too, but um, because alcohol was such a problem for me, um, it's it's so culturally accepted, is that the right way to put it, that um, I hope people that are, are struggling with it look at it differently, because that helped me um, a lot to look at alcohol not as my helper, but it's socially accepted like cigarettes used to be. And it doesn't do anything good for you. No judgment if, you know, if you drink right. or whatever. But for me, I just look at it as it's a poison. It doesn't do any good for me, and it changes the way I think. So um, that, I think, was a lesson learned was uh, stay away from alcohol, enjoy the moment, and um, just be healthy. My health is really what saves me. I meditate now and um, just stay healthy. Yeah. Last question for me is kind of going forward, where do you go from here? Where does life take you? And any last thoughts? Um, So right now my focus is uh, day-to-day health and and definitely giving back, whether it's um, training. Like I I work very (laughs) part-time at a shooting range and a lot of the people that come are really there because of vulnerability and they're scared. They don't want to use a handgun in self-defense and I don't want them to, but I want them to feel safe and confident. So I love working on um, confidence and and safety. what was the question? I'm no, that, that was good. I was asking kind of where you go from here. Oh, where I go from here. And it sounds like where you go from here yeah. is teaching some of these lessons. Yeah, yeah. So instead of, you know, I'm not, a, I, I tell people I'll always be a cop in my heart. Always. You can't wear the uniform forever. So I'm going to continue to be, you know, um, a cop that helps in other ways because, again, nothing's going to last. So um, training, I want to continue to train and, and, and help people. That's I think what I have to offer is um, help people and meet them where they're at, you know, because you couldn't have told me when I was in my drinking days, you know, that's a poison. And I'm like, yeah, so, you know, (laughs) so, um, yeah, I just hope to help people where they're at. And, um, man, I, uh, I'm not sure. just continue to help people. people. When does the book come out? Oh, um, and that's a sore subject. No, 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 it's not a sore subject. But I have a great editor. I even got a publishing coach, and um, but I, I don't know. It's it's just a, a never-ending process. So I'm just gonna see. I would love to say a year, 
um, or who knows? Um, yeah, I just don't know. Uh, I'm just going to continue the, to work and heal. Because um, it sounds like that's a big part of your healing process. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of the childhood stuff I was writing, and then all of a sudden it just went in a different direction. I was like, oh, okay then. Um, so I encourage anybody to write. It's it's really really therapeutic. Um, Any last comments for our listeners? Um, I I think I'm thinking about cops out there. Um, I'm going to a conference in a couple months to speak about you know resilience in the incident and just stay healthy and. Stay optimistic and um, don't be so stubborn that you don't listen to, I guess, that voice in you that, that knows. You know what you need and what you should do and, and listen to that voice, I guess. I don't know. I want to say something brilliant and I just, I don't know. No, I think that's right in line with what I was asking. So at this point, you know, from all of us here at Way to the Badge, I want to thank you so much. Robin, for taking the time um, to come talk to us, share your story. Um, I, I think stories like these um, are going to help listeners because it'll give them a glimpse into kind of what could happen. And if they go through something, how, how they can be resilient, how they can survive, how they can come back. And so, you know, the courage to tell your story, hopefully, will inspire some of them. So thank you. Thank you to all of thank our listeners. Thank you for what you do for yeah, our profession. That's appreciated for sure. Hey, no, no worries. Thank you to all the brave men and women out there who are currently serving as first responders. Be safe. And until next time, I'm Dr. Troy Rogers with Weight of the Badge. <laughs> that was, was more nerve-wracking than I expected. Wow. You did great. Amazing. It was easy.